You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. It's 6 p.m., Tuesday, April 4th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Water, water everywhere, at least in today's news. The California report measures the Sierra Nevada's record snowpack and finds that one Tahoe resort expects to be celebrating till July 4th. But downstream, flooding has folks a little jittery. So is the drought over? Our resident water guy, Steve Baker, says that's not the right question to be asking. And Mark Cuniberti is here with the Money Matters commentary. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Yesterday, measurements were taken of California snowpack in the Sierra Nevada, and the amount of snow is huge, 220% of average. That's among the largest amount in state history. From KVPR, Joshua Yeager tells us more. The last time California had this much snow in the Sierra Nevada was in 1952. Shonde Guzman with the state's Department of Water Resources says the snowpack contains more than 60 inches of water, tying the all-time record. There have only been three other years where our April snowpack has been greater than 200% of average. It's great news for a state that just experienced its driest three-year period. But downstream communities are nervously watching as snow begins to melt. Torrents of water could cause major flooding below the Sierra. Some areas, like the formerly dry Tulare Lake, are seeing water accumulate even before the full snowmelt. Jeffrey Mount is a fellow at the Public Policy Institute of California. Our systems are not really designed to handle a sustained, very high flow spring like this. State crews are working to reinforce water systems in the region. They warn the worst is yet to come. For the California Report, I'm Joshua Yeager. With all the snow in the mountains, ski resorts across the state could be open much longer into the year than normal. Here's Maddie Condon with Palisades Tahoe, which has received nearly double its average annual snowpack. So generally, I would guess that Palisades Tahoe stays open around May. This year, we're extending our season to July 4th. You could go jump in the lake and come back and ski in a bathing suit at Palisades Tahoe on the 4th of July. (laughs) Well, that's one idea. At Big Bear Resort in Southern California, communications director Justin Canton says he's never seen anything like this season. Overall, we've uh, received over 240 inches, which is almost one and a half times more than what we typically see during a winter season. So snow conditions are phenomenal. The temperatures have remained low with low humidity uh, throughout the entire season, which is fairly unusual for our locations here in Southern California. Canton says his resort will be open through the end of this month, but could extend that if conditions warrant it. How many of you listening have had this very California problem? You really want to buy your first home, but the down payment is just too high, and the monthly mortgage payments would kill you financially. Well, the state of California has just started taking applications for a new program where it will put down a good chunk of money to help people buy their first home. It's called Dream for All, and I talked about it with Eric Johnson of the California Housing Finance Agency. Here's Johnson. What we're going to do with this program is help you out with up to 20% of a, with a down payment loan. What that means is if you buy, say, a $500,000 house, then your first mortgage, instead of being $500,000, will be $400,000. 
What that means in real world terms is your monthly payment will be less. This is geared towards people who have a steady job, constant employment, and can make that monthly payment, but maybe don't have that down payment. All right. So let's assume I'm able to buy the house with the help of the program and that property appreciates in value over the years. What happens then and how does the state get its investment back? So say 10 years down the road, it's time to sell that house and maybe sell it for $600,000. Part of the deal with getting that 20% down payment from us is you then have to pay back not only that initial initial $100,000, but also 20% of any appreciation in the value of your home. Since your home is appreciated by $100,000, you pay us back that $100,000 plus $20,000. What that means is that we'd use that, that funding to fund the next round of the program for the next round of home ownership. It's kind of a virtuous circle. Are there any limits on the sales price of a house that the program will help someone buy? We don't have any limits on the sales price of the home. We do have limits on income, and those vary by county. And that acts as kind of a de facto limit because banks will only qualify you to purchase so much of a home with a given income. If I make 100, and these are just kind of spitball numbers, but if I make $100,000 a year, that means I can qualify to purchase a home that costs maybe $700,000 a year. If I make $70,000 a year, then the largest home that the the largest amount of money that a bank is going to loan me is probably going to be in that $500,000, $600,000 range. So even though we don't have any hard cap on the price of the home, there are still limits on the program. And for people accepted into the program, are there any additional strings attached? Um, I'm not sure if I'd call them strings, but we have a minimum credit score. The home must be, it has to be a single family dwelling. We don't want to have it be an income producing property. We're not doing this to help business people. We're doing this to help first time home buyers. I understand your agency is projecting this program could help up to 2,300 prospective California home buyers. That's great for them. But do you acknowledge that's just a drop in the bucket when it comes to the number of Californians trying to buy their first home? Just because you can't help everybody doesn't mean you shouldn't help anybody. Every single family that we change from renting to owning, we made a huge difference in their lives. And by contributing to that generational wealth aspect, we've changed lives for generations to come. And that's really what this program is all about. Increasing that generational wealth, increasing the opportunity for home ownership for communities that have traditionally been marginalized or completely left out of the home buying process. And people will be able to get into their homes by when? Well, we've already had people locking rates and depends on how quickly the lenders can turn things around. I mean, we can have people in houses within the next month or two. And if you're looking to apply for the Dream for All program, where do you go? They'd go to our website at calhfa.ca.gov slash dream. Again, that's calhfa.ca.gov slash dream. We've been speaking to Eric Johnson of the California Housing Finance Agency. Mr. Johnson, thanks for joining us on the California Report. Saul, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for your time. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation. Accepting nominations now for the 2024 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. Hint, fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors, including watermelon and pineapple. In stores or delivered from hintwater.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, 
whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And that is the California Report for Tuesday, April 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. In regional news, the historic snowpack numbers you heard earlier on the California Report have caused the Tahoe National Forest to extend the seasonal closure of its roads and trails to motorized vehicles. That's according to a news release issued today by the U.S. Forest Service. The Forest Service says the extended closure will protect trails and roadbeds from damage during wet conditions, reduce maintenance costs, and protect water quality. Motorized vehicles are prohibited through April in areas of the Tahoe National Forest, usually opened on April 1st. Generally, these are on the west side of the forest. Areas usually open to motor vehicles on April 24th will open on May 24th. Those are generally on the east side. In another news release issued today, state agencies urged the public to be aware of cold water dangers this spring to avoid tragedy. The release from CAL FIRE, the state parks, and the Department of Water Resources said river and stream flows are at levels not seen in years, and that will increase as the snow continues to melt. The release encouraged people to wait until summer to engage in water recreation. Now here's your regional forecast from the National Weather Service. Morning frost tonight with slightly warmer temperatures Wednesday. Another system will bring scattered rain showers to our region Thursday and Friday. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, widespread frost mainly after 10. Otherwise, mostly clear with a low around 29. Frost early Wednesday, then mostly sunny with a high near 53. Wednesday night, areas of frost after midnight, otherwise partly cloudy, with a low around 34. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe, partly cloudy with a low around 12. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 41 and a low around 19. For Sacramento and Woodland tonight, mostly clear with a low around 36. Areas of overnight frost into Wednesday, then mostly sunny with a high near 63 and a low around 41. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. It's the question all California keeps asking. Is the drought finally over? In this conversation with KVMR's Paul Emery, hydrologist Steve Baker ticks through the complexities of the western water picture. Despite all the precip we've received, Steve says, danger signals remain because of the different ways water is distributed. He also sees a lot of room for optimism, including for households that get their water from wells. This water news with Steve Baker is supported by clear water and filtration on rough and ready highway, Grass Valley. Steve, um, I'm having that springtime feeling with <laughs> all this rain and snow, this really wet season. It feels we are now in another world. Uh, tell us what has changed. According to climate scientist Daniel Swain, he's with the University of California, a dramatic transition in the tropical Pacific has been observed. And it used to be, of course, we were hearing La Nina, and now it's becoming 
El Nino. So the, the things that we want to look out for, the things that are changing in this new world that you're <laughs> referring to, is uh, possible extreme heat, dangerous tropical cyclones, and a real threat to our, our fragile coral reefs. But I'll tell you, one thing for sure, last three years, it's been record-setting. It's been the warmest on record. Well, Steve, it seems like the warmer it gets in the oceans and atmospheres, globally, we receive more rain and snow. Is that true? It certainly looks like that right now. The state's average snow water equivalent of our snowpack right now, the average across the whole Sierra Nevada mountains, 236%. (laughs) That is excellent. Uh, Overall, it beat our 1982-1983 record. Northern California is 191%. Central Valley was 234 Then you go further south, Southern California, almost 300%. So as, as you go north, it becomes less. As you go south, it becomes more. So does that mean that our surface reservoirs are full? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're really in good shape. The reservoirs that we, we focus on up here in, in Northern California, especially Shasta and Oroville, both of those are well over 100% of their average average right now. Uh, I think it's 105% and the other one's 116%. Much to our surprise, however, the third largest reservoir in California, also in Northern California, it's called Trinity Lake, and they're only at 51% of their historic average. And that was measured on, on April 1st. And even though, you know, we hear, oh, the state, we had all this water. It's been a wonderful, wonderful year. That water, we, you know, it's distributed in different ways. And the far northern pieces of our state received less precipitation, uh, you know, from a relative basis. So, so uh, Trinity is a little different. Uh, Trinity in that area, it's heavily dependent on snowpack versus Shasta relies mostly on rainfall. That would be the difference. Well, Steve, uh, we'll talk about this in a, in a future time, but I was reading that Tulare Lake up in Northern California has reappeared. Uh, that's something to check into. Uh, check into that and I, I let us know that. about it, about lakes that have reappeared. That's a very interesting situation. It, it is. I believe the, the Tulare Lake you're talking about is in the central California. It's in a farming area that uh, used to be a wonderful place for birds to travel to and and life uh, was, was wonderful there, and, and it's gone through a dramatic change through the last 100 years uh, as a result of development and, and agriculture. Well, Steve, so it seems like the big question that is the elephant in the room, what is it? <laughs> is it, are we out of this drought? Yeah, that's that really is it. So, uh let's look at the overall picture, okay? Our precipitation delivery was exceptional this year. Nearly all our surface reservoirs are well above their historic averages this year. The soil moisture is recovered this year. That's great, too. Water, it's getting into the landscape vegetation this year. So as far as parched uh, countryside, we're not seeing any of that right now. Groundwater reservoirs in the Central Valley, uh, they're going to benefit this year. But the aquifer recovery in the central part of our state is you know, characteristically, it's a very slow process. So it it will take many years for that to recover. We need a lot more of what happened this year to uh, benefit the the aquifers in the Central Valley. Now, if we're talking about the foothill communities that use groundwater wells, they're likely to experience really healthy volumes of water in their wells. Now, some of the deeper wells up here uh, that have a more isolated geometry 
yeah, they're, uh, you know, from the ground surface, they may benefit this summer or they may not. It really depends on that geometry and how things work hydraulically. So in my view, there is too much variability from one year to the next in precipitation and temperature here in California. I don't want to mislead you in answering that question, <laughs> Paul. Uh, I'm going I'm, to, I'm removing drought when we're talking about the American West and today's needs, really. It's, it's not a good way to, to characterize it. The question that we really need to ask ourselves is, do we have an adaptive capacity to manage our water supplies? Okay. So all you listeners out there, think about it and go ahead and ask yourself the same thing. Do you have an adaptive capability or capacity to manage your personal water supply and other water needs that your chosen lifestyle leans on, okay? In other words, food, clothing, power, and commerce. And it can be accomplished. You need to answer that question, though. Thank you, Steve. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with our water guy on KVMR, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co. Retirees often worry about outliving their money, maybe even more so in this period of unsettled markets. In today's Money Matters commentary, Mark Cunaberti suggests one possible solution. Mark dubs it the bonus income for life annuity. Simply put, it results in lifetime payments until you die. Here's more. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name's Mark Cunaberti. With the market in ongoing turmoil for well over a year now, and no way of telling if the recent rally in the first quarter of 2023 will stick, the annuity option has been a hot topic here on Money Matters. Annuities are contracts made between you and a large insurance company that states the insurer agrees to pay you over a long period of time a guaranteed amount based on the terms stated in the contract. There are many annuities variations, and I've covered a few I recommend for many clients in past Money Matters radio and articles. I use my own annuity names when describing these to better illustrate their advantages to listeners and readers. Today's flavor of the month is what I call the bonus income annuity. Unlike participation annuities that give you a portion of the stock market's increase measured over time, and triggered annuities that promise a minimum and specific percentage should certain things happen in the markets, bonus income annuities add a bonus payment to the amount a customer puts in as soon as the papers are signed, then pay a fixed lifetime income. For illustration purposes, I always draw on real-life annuity products that actually exist when describing annuities, and today is no exception. Today's annuity is what I call the bonus income for life annuity. Similar to other income for life products, they ensure the customer won't outlive their money. The payments are, as indicated, for life, even if it's over and above the amount you put in. The bonus referred to means the insurer adds to the amount you put in at the moment you open the annuity. Specifically, in this annuity, suppose you put in $100,000. The day the papers are signed, the insurers add 20% to what you put in and subsequently credit this annuity $120,000 to your account. Yep. 
that's how it works. You can actually make up market losses in one fell swoop if indicated. Obviously, you can't then close the annuity and remove 120000 but the 120000 is actually there and used to calculate your lifelong payments. You leave the money in the annuity until the day comes you decide to pull the trigger, and that begins your lifetime payments. The payments will continue until you die. If you want to add a spouse or significant other, you can, which means payments continue until both of you die. Once pulled, you cannot unpull the payments, which means once you decide to start payments, that's it. How much will you get each year? Surprisingly, a pretty good amount. This depends on your age when you open the contract and your gender. The younger the age, the lower the payments, obviously. This is because the insurer is paying you for life, so the younger the age, the longer you'll likely live. So the insurer rightly adjusts the payments, assuming it'll have to pay out over a longer period of time. Yes, the payments can be surprisingly large. I ran one on myself. I'm 67 and male, obviously, and if I wanted to wait only two years, then pull the trigger at age 69, hypothetically, they would pay me about 8% on my original deposit every year for the rest of my life. Not bad. If I wait four years, the payment rises to 9.44% for life, and if I waited six years to pull the trigger, I get 11.33 annual percentage until the day I die. I ran one for a 73-year-old male, and if he waits three years, he gets 9.5% APR for life, and waiting five years nets him an annual return on his money at 11.32%. Upon death, what hasn't been paid out is returned to the estate, and both the payments and the returned amount to the estate can also increase as the principal is tied to a variety of stock indexes. As with all annuities covered here on Money Matters, there's no downside risk. You can withdraw a certain amount a year if needed. Early withdrawal fees over the allowed annual withdrawals may apply, and there are no medical tests or pre-existing conditions that will affect the issuance. Considering I-bonds and treasuries currently yield fairly healthy returns right now, the annual yields offered by certain annuities, like this bonus income annuity, can even exceed those amounts depending on your age and time of investment. And unlike the I-bond or short-term treasury rates, the annual percentage amount promised will never go down as long as you live. As mentioned, in fact, under certain conditions, what you receive every year may even go up, but it will never go down. In conclusion, there may be other terms and conditions that apply, and annuities are insured by the underlying insurance company and are currently not covered under FDIC insurance. If interested, illustrations and the policies can be obtained easily through any annuity licensed agent or financial professional. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. And remember, this newscast is my opinion only and is not the representation or opinion of this news media staff members or underwriters. I hold California insurance license OL34249 and a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Gunn. That's our newscast for Tuesday, April 4th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Automotive City, family owned and operated, offering complete automotive service for foreign and domestic vehicles. Also, smog testing. 
Napa Auto Care Center and AAA approved facility. Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, AutomotiveCityGrassValley.com. And Scraps Dog Bakery at Mountain Mutts. Family owned for 18 years, providing cat and dog wellness needs, including holistic organic food, training accessories, toys, also fresh bakery. Scraps Dog Bakery at Mountain Mutts, next to BNC Hardware, Grass Valley. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.